Broadcasting live from the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. Here's Armstrong and Getty. Studio C. C, Senior. It is a dimly lit room deep within the bowels of the Armstrong and Getty Communications Compound. And hey, everybody, what day is today? Is it Friday? Yeah, buddy. I don't feel like Friday to me. It's Friday. Morning to the tutelage of our general manager, Joseph Biden. A combination of Abraham Lincoln, FDR, and Churchill. A speech giver of such immense power that. It was like cold scrambled eggs. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really watch presidential addresses. What was it about? It was about the COVID nominally and, and ending the COVID and schools and vaccines. It's, it's, it's terrible. Made me unhappy to be alive. I envied the dead. <laughs> you envied the dead. Wow, that's not a good place to be. Shall envy the dead. Oh, that's a good place to be. Not where you want to end up. Better. So. The college basketball tournaments are running this year. Is that right? Conference yeah, that's my understanding of it. Conference yeah. tournaments, and then they'll do the whole uh, seating and all that sort of stuff this uh, Duke. this Sunday. Yeah, I only know that because of Duke's hilariously cowardly maneuver in which they, they pulled out of the conference tournament claiming to be concerned about COVID, and it's just because they suck more than they've sucked for decades. What a Duke thing to do. Other teams would be so happy for the opportunity to maybe win the tournament and get into the NCAA tournament that way. But if we can't win, we're going to go home. If we're not going to be the best, we're leaving. What a Duke thing to do. You have to be a fan of college basketball to understand that, I realize. I thought it was from a positive result from their team. (laughs) That's what they claim. Okay. Do you think if they they were, were a number one seed like they've been like 25 of the last 40 years that they would be pulling out? I don't think so. We might not win the tournament, so we can quit. For our ball, we take and go home, and nobody else will get to play either. Please, Sean, you're buying that to clap trap that that story. Please, what a kick in the kersey woo whiskey. If you're a fan, you get it. Uh, one of the only reasons I bring that up is that was that was the tip off to me, if you'll pardon the expression, uh, that uh, this coronavirus was a big deal. I mean, they're going to cancel the NCAA tournament. How many billions of dollars would that be? For how many right. cities across America? How could that possibly happen? That was that was the tip to me that something really serious is going on. We've actually got last year's clips of the week that we're going to play later that I understand is r- really pretty interesting as you, you peek in and all the things we were talking about at the time when we were still kind of taking it in a, well, this is wacky, isn't it, sort of. Uh, Two weeks it. to flatten the curve, Jack. Two weeks. How weird is this? I remember that's the attitude we all had standing outside the school when they canceled school for a, a, a month. This is so crazy. Wouldn't it be fun? Can you imagine how fun that would have been when you were a kid that they canceled school? We didn't know. Kids were going to be uh, ruined for the next year and a half. I did hear one clip. For, I heard some clips from the speech. I don't watch presidential addresses, but I heard one clip where he was talking about the importance of opening the schools. God, it made me boil with anger. I know it. The, there's, nothing, oh, yeah. there's nothing stopping you from opening the schools like months ago. Certainly not today. And you're going to get a pass on saying you're on the side of opening the schools. It makes me insane. 
Well, I took one for the team. I did watch the speech. I have my comments. We have other learned commentators' comments, as that's what commentators do. But I will tell you this. Joe Biden set an ankle-high bar that Florida cleared six months ago and said, maybe we can do this by July the 4th. By the 4th of July? Yeah, maybe by the 4th of July we can do what Florida's doing on the 4th of January. Wow. And then we're going to open the schools within a few months, about an hour a week for one kid. And that kid can text all the other kids and tell them how it went. (laughs) Oh, sad. (laughs) And then the freaking fawning over it by a lot of the lefty media. God, I just want to vomit. I want to die and vomit and then come back to life and vomit some more. We mentioned that vomit and die. That you see the point. We mentioned this yesterday. We have to go into more detail later. An NFT piece of digital art. This is art that's on. It's zeros and ones that shows up on your screen. You it can, exists only digitally. I could get an exact copy for free. Sold for sixty nine million dollars. Yes, uh, two days ago. So that's the new world we live in. Figure out how to profit from it. That's what, instead of mocking it and wondering why, I should be, if I were smart, I'd figure out how to profit from this new world. Early on in blogs and podcasts and that sort of stuff, I was like, I would listen to that, you know, instead of figuring out how to profit from it. Unfortunately, I'm otherwise engaged doing this terrible waste of time, (laughs) which is not making me millions at all. Uh, It's teamwork that makes the dream work. Every team in the NCAA tournament knows that, and that's why we introduce everybody in the squad. There at starting guard, it is our TD technical director, Michelangelo. Hi this morning, Michael. Angry at myself. I I broke my rule. I never eat. I, I, I was out last night, and I had to get something to eat, and I never eat, like, cheap tacos that... During the weeknight, and I remember why now. That's your rule? Don't yeah. eat cheap tacos on a weeknight? What's what yeah. your threshold for cheap? <laughs> <laughs> because sometimes it doesn't treat me well, and so this morning I'm suffering like you, Jack, mm. were the oh, other day. Uh, oh, it's more a digestive yes, thing than yes, a weight is. gain thing. Yeah. Oh, okay, it, I see. It's middle age. I used to be able to eat anything I wanted, and I still So think... you like to spend your weekends sitting on the toilet, but the weekdays you right. like to <laughs> oh, wow. wow, for those who hadn't really caught up to Michael's meaning, thank you, Jack. Wow. wow. I used to be able to Can, can, eat can anything. anything be left unsaid on this show? No, I just think it's interesting that that's the way he spends his weekends. That's, you know, <laughs> well, that's not the only <laughs> He's got, that's a, one of he's many got a 54 inch TV screen in there. <laughs> Surround sound. No, weekdays, he's got a subwoofer in the toilet tank. Weekdays, I've got to work. But when it's my time, that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> There's Positive Sean, whose smile lights up the room. How are you, Sean? Doing quite well. There is a documentary coming out, I believe, uh, later on this month, uh, entitled The Last Blockbuster, featuring uh, the the final blockbuster. I believe it is in Bend, Oregon, somewhere in Oregon, I think. Oh, Blockbuster Video. Blockbuster Video, yeah. The the Last Blockbuster. Uh, But it is produced by Netflix. This is like if my ex's new boyfriend produced a documentary about me and called it Still Lonely. <laughs> That's all I got. That's pretty good. Yeah. That's wow. That's pretty good. Wow, the murderer doing a documentary on his victim. Oh, jeez, and about how pathetic they are. Yeah. Ah, oh, wow, that is really good. Huh. And it's it's open as a novelty now, right? It, it, it stays open partially because of the coolness of it being the only one left. 
Yeah, I think that's part of the cachet. I'll have to ask my boy. He lives in beautiful Bend and mm-hmm. ask him if he ever goes there. He's a big video freak. He watches uh, movies all the time. My sense it was like T-shirts, you know, pictures, all kinds of stuff is very popular there because, like, you know, I, I'd, I'd wear a, a Blockbuster T-shirt. Me too. Absolutely. <laughs> Fun. Uh, yeah, it was what a part of, uh, if you're of the right age, it was such a part of your life. Um, I mean, you know, talk about it, the way Michael spends his weekends. Yeah, but my rem- Fridays were blockbuster. But I remember a <laughs> Friday, you know, you're there with your girlfriend or your buddies or whatever, walking along the new releases aisle or trying to see what's left. Just packed full because that's what everybody was going to do that night. Sure. Now yeah. we're all completely alone in our homes, not contacted to anyone doing the same thing as we scroll through to find something new. To Huge improvement. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty on this Friday, March 12th, the year 2021. We're Armstrong and Getty and we approve of this program. Into the breach, then, precisely according to FCC rules and regulations. Let's begin the show at Mark. In honor of our year in captivity, we're presenting a late show's core anniversary special, the year that took 100 years, but also somehow was one long day. That's kind of what it feels like. Pretty well said right there. Yeah, One long day. God, I'd say, how's mailbag look? Oh, it's very nice, but it has to give way to cow. First of all, we have clips of the week coming up in moments. Yeah, and I can't wait to hear that uh, year-old cow a little bit later in the show. That sounds really interesting to me. Oh, my God. It would be a yearling, right? Uh, Yeah, I guess so. Uh, Heifer? Um, I don't know. (laughs) I'm a city guy. I heard the most interesting thing in a comparison between the United States Navy and the Chinese Navy that I want to talk about later. Fascinating stuff. We got the Chinese Navy speaks almost entirely Chinese. And for and, instance, <laughs> um, we got all that stuff on the way. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Parents with kids, what is the preferred structure of their household in terms of a work-child-care relationship? It is not what you would guess from watching television or listening to the mainstream media. Pretty interesting. We'll get to that later. Yeah, okay. I'll withhold my comments until uh, we kick off the topic. Mailbag, coming up in a minute or two. Michael Easy in there. But first, we need to take a fond look back at the week that was. It's Cow Clips of the Week. The Biden administration is now dealing with a second massive cyber attack. This time, the suspect is China. And the question is, how will the U.S. retaliate? Listen, I think reparations have to happen for black people. You know what I mean? Because slavery was America's original sin. And also concerns and conversations about how dark his skin might be when he's born. What? But yet you continue to trash her. Okay. I'm done with this. No, no, no. Sorry. No. Uh, Sorry. Can't this do this. Is absolutely diabolical behavior. Someone in human resources might have stepped in to tell Henry VIII that chopping off your wife's head could be interpreted as a hostile work environment. Welcome to McDonald's. We're currently serving a limited menu, so please review the menu before ordering. NBC News confirming tonight's New York Times reporting that the number of detained, unaccompanied migrant children has indeed tripled. With equipment like this in the home of the future, we may not have to go to work. The work would come to us. You know, when this pandemic ends, and it will end soon, we're not going to go back to normal. Because I think we all agree, normal was never good enough. 
One can has a man bun, another a brightly colored merman tail. Well, we know what Xi Jinping is trying to do because he says it and he writes it all the time. The question is, what are we going to do about it? I think the masks are the single biggest mistake because it was the easiest intervention that we could have reached for early to prevent spread. The result is that we're now on track to have enough vaccine supply for every American adult by the end of May. I'm spending 24 hours in this tub of bean dip. I personally believe that small businesses are the backbone of the nation. What? <laughs> I'm sorry. That's some good American activism there. I think there was a, there was a I had trouble connecting those two thoughts. <laughs> Is there a big in, in what way? <laughs> Mailbag. Oh, hey. boy. That was a good cow right there. That was a solid, that was well marbled. Really nice count. But so the whole Royal Oprah thing was earlier this week, was it? Mm. It wasn't a month ago? Okay. This entire century is wearing me out. I feel like I'm aging like a dog. Here's your freedom-loving quote of the day, continuing on with our series from George Will. Money is time made tangible. The time invested in the earning of it. Taxation is the confiscation of the earner's time. Although some taxation is necessary, all taxation diminishes freedom. That's pretty good. Amen to that, Georgie boy. Moving along, here's a nice note from Ed. Uh, love listening to Tim, the lawyer. Also, Craig, the healthcare guru lawyer. Can't get enough of those guys. They're brilliant and have a knack for explaining things that even simpletons like me can understand. That's why we love talking to them, too, Ed. And uh, if you missed our conversation... With Tim Sandifer uh, yesterday, it's in hour three of the podcast, correct? The on-demand podcast? I think that's right. What if we just put both of them on and we stayed home and called it the Armstrong and Getty Show? Would that work? Ding! I'm in. How about Fair Oaks Dave? National Guard and other law enforcement are deploying to maintain law and order in the event of violence following the verdict in the George Floyd murder trial. Uh, there well could be violence if the alleged killer of Mr. Floyd is acquitted, and he will be, folks. He absolutely will be. I mean, there's a 1 in 25 chance he gets convicted of third-degree murder, I believe. But anyway, stay tuned. Given past permissiveness, it should be imperative that law enforcement state policy before violence begins. For instance, shooting looters and arsonists on site would be a great start. I'm not sure we have the stomach for that sort of thing anymore, Dave. Thank you for the note. Uh, Ben writes, hello, Jack. You seem to be quite interested in the whole drugs in the bum thing. I have an eight ball of digital cocaine to sell you for $300 in Bitcoin. (laughs) Simply print and stick. Enjoy. (laughs) Digital cocaine purchased with Bitcoin. (laughs) That's hilarious. And and up it goes. Let's see. You know what? I'm going to read this one later because I want to discuss it at length. It's about uh, something we did professionally yesterday. We were on part of a panel with other radio uh, professionals, talk radio professionals, allegedly. And one of the guys we were on with, you know, what the heck, I've started. I'll, I'll continue the conversation. Uh, Mike Calta, who's on The Bone, legendary station in the Tampa area, uh, mentioned that he uh, he enjoyed being on the panel uh, with us and thought we were likable dudes. Um, and, and Davida, who's a big fan of his and ours, was very excited. She said, it's like watching Scooby-Doo, and it's an episode where one of your favorite celebrities is making a guest appearance. <laughs> That's funny. Well, I tell you what, I, and, and right back at, at Mike, he was impressive as hell, down-to-earth, smart, obviously a talented guy. It was cool being on the panel with the him. The bone. The bone. It's a good we don't, I don't, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know who's funny AF is Tim Conway Jr. 
Oh, that my is God. one funny dude. Oh, he is too. Could not be a nicer guy either. He's on uh, uh, different another station in Los Angeles. Although I don't, you know, honestly, I don't mind mentioning competitors and stations and stuff like that. We've said since the beginning of our careers, our competition is being boring. If we can beat that. If we can be interesting, compelling, and entertaining, it doesn't matter what else is on the air. I mean, it might you might compromise your ratings or your fame or whatever a little bit, but if you're good, you're good. You're going to do fine. The fact that you know somebody else is on some other station, it just it does. It's practically got nothing to do with me. I mean, it's not like baseball where you crown one winner at the end of the year. We're not going to get in a playoff with Mike Calta, you know, in October, and one of us wins and one of us loses. There's plenty for everybody. Anyway. Nice guy, though. Good guy. Uh, Moving along. Ah, yeah. A number of people pointed out that yesterday, late in the show, I mixed up the backgrounds of dangerous Marxist America-hating D.A. George Gascon of Los Angeles with dangerous Marxist America-hating D.A. Chesa Bodine of San Francisco. Uh, I would like to apologize to both of those dangerous Marxist America-hating scum who will destroy everything that is good and decent about this country. Uh, sorry, I, I forgot which one of you is raised by terrorists and which one of you is a self-made terrorist. Right. I apologize deeply. It's hard to imagine how Governor Andrew Cuomo of New York survives even the weekend at this point, as every Democrat has called for his resignation. They're opening an impeachment investigation, and uh, a number of women's groups that had supported him have now called for his resignation. He is doomed. Stick a fork in him, perhaps at the July 4th celebration that Joe Biden has said he will permit. Fantastic. We're going to talk about that coming up. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. By July the 4th, there's a good chance you, your families and friends, will be able to get together in your backyard or in your neighborhood and have a cookout and a barbecue and celebrate Independence Day. That doesn't mean large events with lots of people together, but it does mean small groups will be able to get together. By July the 4th? That's supposed to get me excited? What the hell? It's We're doing early now. March. Um, uh, yeah, and so um, here's... And I thought everybody was going to have a vaccine by May. What the hell is the old man talking about? I don't know. Um, uh, and the thing is, well, you're about to hear a little of the explanation of why that seems a little um, uh, less than optimistic from... I don't, I don't know this guy, so it doesn't make any difference to me who he is. Do you know who he is? Yeah, he used to be with the New York Times, uh, oh, Alex okay. Berenson, kind of contrarian journalist. Okay, here you go. It was a bizarro speech in, a, in this bizarro world where we're all still desperately afraid of the coronavirus, where cases haven't fallen 90% since January and hospitalization 70%, where, you know, we know exactly who's at risk from this and how most of us are at very, very low to no risk from this. The world Joe Biden inhabits, and I guess the world a lot of his constituency inhabits, is not the world that I inhabit, where my kids have seen my mother uh, for the last year, where I get together with friends, if I like, where I went to Florida. Um, and I know many, many Americans live this way. Um, and, and, you know, where the Texas Rangers are going to have a full ballpark at Arlington uh, for opening day. So, you know, he can he can wait for 
Independence Day to meet his three best friends on the White House lawn, but most of us aren't living that way. <laughs> I thought that was really interesting. <laughs> I thought that's beautifully said. The Texas Rangers are going to be shoulder to shoulder, full ballpark, but i got to wait till July 4th to have a couple of people over for tube steaks. If it's not please. a large gathering on July 4th, you can do that. Right. The bizarro world where cases haven't dropped 90% since January. I love this note we got from uh, Kevin, the always interesting Kevin. Uh, Here's Biden's speech in one sentence. Thanks to my administration, if you work hard and don't get complacent, I will allow you to do what Florida has been doing for the past six months. It's incredible how low the Biden administration can set the bar, and it's a tragedy that the media let them get away with it. Yeah, part of it is just, uh, there's a number of things going on. People's... Uh, a lot of people are tired of all the rules and stuff like that and just started going back to normal stuff just out of, all right, I'm over this. There, there's there's well, a certain amount of that. And a coherent adult weighing of risks and benefits. That's some of it, too. Um, because, like, where I live, remember when they made the giant announcement that the stay-at-home order was over? And everybody's reaction that I know was, there was a stay-at-home order. <laughs> right. It wasn't, thank right. God, we can come out of our homes. I didn't even I know like, we were under a stay-at-home order. It sure didn't look like it when I was at the park this weekend. Oh, uh, yeah, I remember hearing something about that a few weeks ago. <laughs> right. That was my reaction. Well, so I think the politicians have to pretend that everybody's following their orders. Otherwise, it's, you know, kind of takes the fun out of it. You know, I want to set this up. This is this is very serious, and I, I, I just kind of sort of apologize in advance for this. Oh, boy. Got this note. Um Found out yesterday, one of my cousins took her own life. She was 12 years old. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I wish I could have helped her somehow. I wish I knew she needed help. The news says suicide is way up in children during the pandemic. Makes me think that the school staying open could have been seen as essential and should have been. Could have saved this child. Somebody would have seen her pain. Shame on these teachers refusing to teach. And this person goes into a fair amount of detail on it, and we have uh, a great deal to say on the topic. But... The casualties, oh, um, eating disorders up 40% among teenagers. I got, a, I got a buddy who's, uh, who's teenage, uh, teenagers are dealing with that. There will be multitudes of children dead from suicide and despair for everyone that even got sick for the COVID or any teacher who got sick from the COVID. And yet that continues. I, I realize it's a heavy, heavy uh, setup, but now I want you to hear clip 16. It's uh, Joe Biden talking about schools reopening. And my announcement last month of a plan to vaccinate teachers and school staff, including bus drivers, we can accelerate massive nationwide effort to reopen our schools safely and meet my goal that I stated at the same time about 100 million shots of opening a majority of K through 8 schools in my first 100 days in office. Just outrageous. Uh, your own CDC says that teachers don't have to be vaccinated to open the schools. I mean, it's just outrageous. And he's going to open them one day a week for a couple of kids, right. whatever, and, and, and tout that as some sort of glorious blanking, I almost dropped an F-bomb achievement. Uh, well, and- it's working politically. I was listening to NPR this morning. And good news for students, L.A. schools are planning to open. They're currently putting the guidelines together and plan to be open in six months. Did you read the second paragraph of that NPR where they're talking about it's like two days a week for a couple of hours for some grades? It's not the same as the schools are reopening. In fact, it's practically not reopening. 
I have half a dozen tabs open going through L.A. and San Diego and Los Angeles and all sorts of major Chicago, all sorts of major school districts around the country that are making the teachers unions are making it clear. Yeah, we might open a little at some point, but not now and not for a long time. And yeah, thanks for the vaccines, but we have uh, more or less. Uh, I've got a, a a Bay Area, California school district that's uh, the teachers are demanding a uh, $300 per day, I believe it's per day, per diem for the time they weren't working, among other things. So wow. stay tuned for that. But wow. let's get uh, Alex Marlowe, who's a, a writer commentator, had some comments on the speech as well. Clip uh, 21, Sean. It seemed like he left out virtually everything other than the guy really likes vaccines and masks. He didn't talk about personal yeah. responsibility. He didn't talk about the government's role in any of these anti-science lockdowns. He didn't talk nearly enough about the fact that we could probably open up all of our schools today. He didn't talk at all about the fact that this virus came from China. He didn't talk about the fact that the virus is coming over our borders. Uh, I want to know how he's going to hold people accountable who are responsible for these policies that cram sick patients into our nursing homes, killing way more people than necessary. There's no justice for these people, and it certainly doesn't look like Joe Biden has any interest in investigating. And then we probably ought to show a little contrast. Let's go ahead. Clip number 22. I think it was very moving. I thought it was really important when he talked about that July 4th goal. He is the guy we need right now. July 4th. Yeah. You know, right. he, he put that on the calendar as well. So Backyard barbecue. Right. <laughs> People are going to be looking at their calendars now with some hope. If we all do our part by the 4th of July, we might be able to celebrate Independence Day together, which would be incredible. I believe right. the kid's uh, expression is WTF. Huh, that's interesting. See, it's interesting in different ways people can see it. You know, you heard the other pundit say, uh, <laughs> the Texas Rangers are going to have a full stadium here in a couple of weeks. <laughs> but by July 4th, I can have three people in my backyard, if we're at the four corners of my half-acre backyard, shouting at each other, maybe talking to each other on the cell phone just to ease the conversation. By July the 4th. What? And yet, there is virtually no awareness on the lefty side of the fence of the way, and, and I'm not sure, it's it's partly ideological, it's partly the knee-jerk reaction to Trump saying it should open up. Much of left America said, well, I vow for the rest of my life I am going to be anti-opening up. Um, it, it, we need marriage counseling badly as a country. We need, to, you know, the... I, the, those of us on the right and, and y'all on the left to, to have some counseling for a long time just to understand each other's point of view because you you just your gratitude that the great leader the great leader in the great white temple of government deigned that we can get together with a couple of friends in in how many months is that is that four months that we can maybe get together with a couple of friends in four months, and you're just on your knees in gratitude. And the rest of us are thinking, what the hell are you talking about? I did that two months ago. Taking reasonable precautions as an adult, weighing risk and benefit. As uh, Alex Berenson put it, most of us have very little risk whatsoever from the disease. God, it's frustrating. So uh, YouGov did a poll of uh, people with kids uh, what family structure would you prefer? And I think the answer will surprise you. It surprised me anyway. Even though that's the structure I want, one out. Um, I was surprised that that's what most people want. It's not what you get from TV and media, certainly. 
Well, um, from from commercials, I would get the idea. The ideal structure is a four person polyamorous uh, relationship with at least th- at least three races represented, and preferably four more throubles. Um, Listen, I'm sorry. I love you very much, Linda, but we already have a white person in this uh, quadruple. We are really looking for an Inuit, perhaps somebody of Southeast Asian ancestry. So thank you for your application. We'll keep it on file. Remember that thing I read about that Syrian scientist? Because they allow polygamy there in Syria. Oh, so it, yeah. The, the, the story is about uh, <laughs> chemical weapons. It's a very serious story. But the, this particular Syrian scientist, he had his wife he had children with, and then he got a young hot wife. And then he was explaining to the, the guy writing the book that I wouldn't recommend it. It was <laughs> the, the only time they weren't fighting with each other is when they ganged together to hate him. <laughs> <laughs> It didn't work out the way he was hoping. It was not as good as I hoped it would be. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Anyway, our text line is 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Remember when we were carefully disassembling our Instacart deliveries like a munitions expert in the Hurt Locker or something? Watch out, the Chipotle could explode. A year ago, if somebody said N95 to you one year ago, you'd think they were a bingo caller. It meant nothing. We haven't been able to see friends, uh, loved ones. I miss physical contact so much, I applied for a job at Governor Cuomo's office last month. That's Appreciate pretty good joke, joke at the end, although yeah. I, don't, I don't know how many people are living that lifestyle where they don't see loved ones. Now, we haven't seen my mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, because they're in that highly vulnerable group, and it's just not a good idea. So there's that, uh, you know, and that's not nothing. But uh, I, I, but other people we certainly have. I know multiple people who haven't seen family in over a year. At all. Yeah. Wow. That strikes me as crazy. I think you're crazy. I think you've become obsessed with the COVID and neglected all of your other physical needs. It's as if you just, you become obsessed with iron and you just take iron all the time. Iron supplements, you chew on a piece of iron. You care nothing about vitamins A through Z. You take in no riboflavin, no fiber, no nothing. Just iron all the time. You're obsessed with the freaking COVID. Hmm, man, I would have bet somebody a hundred dollars the word riboflavin was not going to be mentioned on the show today. And I would have lost. And I would have lost. Um, I had something to say on that. Oh, I do. You know, early on when we thought this might be, might be transferred by, uh, you know, touching it, touching stuff. And uh, Dr. Uh, the obsession with wiping period. Yeah, that thing. Remember, Dr. Burks about touching your face and all that sort of stuff, touching things. And yeah, if you got order out food, you had to wipe everything down the bo- the boxes and you're wiping everything off at the grocery store, every item well, in the cart and all that sort of stuff. That was a crazy period. There were people who were afraid to open their mail. <laughs> right. Right, right. Uh, so, you know, thank God for humanity that it didn't turn out that it's really spread that way. Yeah, yeah indeed. Um, Bad enough. Uh, among things we'll be talking about in hour two, we uh, uh, fewer of us go to church on a regular basis, but we're not less devoted to a belief. It's just that our belief has become our passions have all become around politics as opposed to uh, Jesus. Oh, and goody. I think that's pretty clearly true. Uh, for 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 chunks of America, Came people have traded in traded in Jesus Christ for Biden and Trump. 
Um, <clears throat> oh, Cuomo. Yeah. And so that other woman that came forward and said that he stuck his hand up her blouse. That one seemed to be a tipping point, and now every Democrat, I think every Democrat and Republican in um, New York now is calling for his resignation. And I truly and deeply apologize mm. for it. Wait. You know, you know, what's funny is I've touched uh, a number of breasts through my life. I'm not bragging. but Congratulations. Uh, I've, I've, I've had the privilege. I have never killed any old people. And if I thought I was going to lose one of the most powerful offices in the land, I would think it would be the reckless killing yeah. of thousands of old folks, and not for touching a boob, as as unforgivable as that is if you do not have the permission of the owner of said boob. Well, it's the covering it up that makes it a crime. I mean, a bad policy right. decision is a bad policy decision. Could have even been an honest it, mistake. Even if it kills people, it's just a bad policy decision. Um, but covering it up is, you should go to prison for that. Mm-hmm. That that's just unconscionable. Um, uh, I hope he fights it. I think it'd be awesome. He he said as of I guess it was the weekend. Now it was last weekend. He said no way I'm resigning. But that yes. was before a couple more women came forward and every Democrat and all the women's groups turned on him. I want him to fight it though. I just think that would be a just an s show. <laughs> him fighting his impeachment and them having to you know go through the whole trial and everything. Oh, it'd be all chaos and ugliness, oh, baby. That'd be fantastic. Oh yeah. So YouGov asked people, parents, at at different education levels, how they would like the uh, work-child arrangement, what they think would be best for their family, while they have children under the age of five. And the plurality, by quite a bit, was one parent working full-time, one parent providing the child care in the home, which is the way I grew up and most of my friends, because that's the way most people did it back in the day. Mm-hmm. I thought that had gone out of favor to the point that that would not be the majority view, but it is by a lot. Again, to the funhouse view of America that uh, you get from the nation's media. you Your view of what's good, your neighbor's view of what's good, you're right. Don't look to your TV to tell you what's right. Yeah, they, they the, the TV shows started telling us a long time ago that that's not the way, uh, the preferred way to structure families. I mean, y'all live your life in the way that you find best. I mean, that's fine. Maybe you have a different arrangement that works great for you. God bless you. But uh, I, Judy and I made all sorts of sacrifices to have that family structure because we thought it was best for the kids. The um, both parents work full-time, family uses paid child care full-time is 14% of people think that's the best way to structure their house. Wow. And I'm sorry, what was the number on the, the previous, the more traditional? 44%. Holy cow. Oh, my God. You would get the inverse idea from popular culture. Yeah, I just thought that was interesting. Some of it I know from um, my wife's friends who are, uh, they grew up differently than I did. Because they grew up with both their parents working in childcare. they want the opposite. It's interesting. Also, the, uh, you know, divorce is down. I know mm-hmm. a lot of people that grew up in divorce households that are more adamant about not getting divorced because they didn't like it. Yeah. So that yeah. is a, kind of a cycle thing there, I think. Children of certain arrangements have decided that's not what I want my kids to have. But do you think there are any children of uh, mom or dad stays at home full time while the other one works who says, oh, there's no way I'm, I'm having that in my family? I don't know. I wouldn't think so. Is there anybody rejecting that? I I doubt it. I've never heard that in my life. I haven't either. Interesting. 
Um, but again, if you find a different way to work and you all love each other and you're being productive and you got a healthy family, God bless you. We're not criticizing you. It's more a comment on the, the worldview you'd get from popular culture versus, you know, your friends and neighbors. Uh, Tim has been, uh, Tim the lawyer who we had on yesterday has been uh, tweeting about the Dr. Seuss thing, which I see mocked a lot on the left as a stupid controversy. I don't think it's stupid at all. I think it's highly important. I think all this stuff is really important and a big deal. Uh, but it's getting mocked a lot by uh, comedians and politicians. <laughs> Can you believe they're worried about Dr. Seuss when X is happening? Uh, Tim points out um, uh, an article from the Denver Post, some libraries that are taking Dr. Seuss out of the library. Um, it's not canceled. They're, they're not going to sell a couple of editions. They're taking the Dr. Seuss books out of the library now, which is specifically what the banned Book of America group said it's not like they're taking them out of the libraries. Well, now they are taking them out of the libraries. And the, and, and the president took Dr. Seuss, in general, Dr. Seuss, off the list of uh, recommended reading for National Reading Week. So that's the way it works. As Marxism swept the planet, subjugated the hundreds of millions, and a hundred and some million people died, Orwell talked about trying to remove the cult, trying to erase the culture, trying to erase history, how a, a country, a, a people that doesn't know their history and their culture doesn't know who they are, and they're much more easily controlled. That's what it's about. It's power. It's a naked power grab by erasing your culture. Banned Books Week as a uh, is a group that does this. It said it was no big deal because the books weren't being removed from libraries. Uh, Tim Sandifer tweeted at them, are you going to make a comment on this? And that's the Denver Post article about libraries removing Dr. Seuss books from their collections. So we'll see. We'll see. Generally, banning books tends, out to, tends to be from a group that has not got your best interest at heart. <laughs> yeah, as we've been posing the question, name one time in history when the people banning books and censoring turned out to be the good guys. Go ahead. We have a while. We'll take your time. Fan favorite Lon He Chen in hour two. Armstrong and Getty.